Only the leagues? Only the Alliance leagues. Welcome to the Alliance Irish Examiner Gaelic Football Show. My name is Paul Rouse and I'm joined by the former Armagh footballer Oshin McConville, by the former Mayo footballer Colin Boyle and by the former Kerry footballer Ryan Sheehan. The one thing I didn't think about this show today when thinking about it in the couple of days beforehand is that Kerry would beat Mayo by a point of man. Colin, what happened? Um, look, at it's, it's a hard one to tell. If you, if you start with Kerry, they were just, you have to say, they were majestic on the day. Uh, just the way they moved the ball through the middle thirds, through the lines, their pace and power. Like, it's not often you see Mayo get overpowered in the middle third as much as they did yesterday. But the, the running from, especially Gavin White there in the first half, Paddy Clifford, when the game was a contest, when, the, when Mayo were in the game, them, especially them guys in the first half, um, just really, really let it out. Of course, David Clifford as well, but I know, I'm sure we'll get on and to talk about him later on. But Mayo were flat, there's no doubt about it. They were flat, there was no energy, there, there was a lot of space for the carry forwards. And the thing about it is, with that space that was there, there was absolutely no pressure on the ball out the field. If, if you're going one on one at the back, like Mayo did do yesterday, if you're Parker or if you're Lee Keegan in there, you need the boys out the field really hounding the, the, the Kerry middle third players and it just wasn't happening yesterday and it was literally a case that if if Kerry broke the line even as far out as the 65 if they broke a tackle and uh, Gavin White with the goal and Paddy Clifford a couple of times should have had, should have had two goals before before the first goal went in if they broke a tackle around around out as far as 65 there was literally a goal chance you know there was no backup Mayo player coming in to, to support the man that was beaten and um yeah, look, it was very, very disappointing, but for Mayo going forward, loads and loads of learnings. It's all very well saying loads of learnings, but the way Mayo set up in that game, if we we'll come back to structure or defence or anything in a minute, but the matchups, I could not understand the matchups yesterday. And the great example for me is Stephen O'Brien being picked up by Stephen Cohn. I, 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 and with, with, basically a prairie of space all around him. To be fair to Stephen Cohn, I think he's an excellent footballer, but to leave him exposed in that position, to leave your captain exposed in that position, to me, just, I couldn't understand that. Yeah, he was exposed, but look, he wasn't the only one. There was so, there was so many players. And like I said earlier on, if a Mayo player was beaten, and we saw with Stephen a couple of times um, around 45, once they were beaten, there was no one else coming to help. And like that's that's the big thing I take from where was kind of the, where was the half-forward line getting back, where was the midfielders getting back to cover off that space, to do the group tackling that, that Kerry were so good at. You know, if, if a Mayo player broke, broke a Kerry tackle, there was normally a second or third guy coming in there to, to stop him up. That was very evident yesterday. And the the big thing is, obviously, you know, the, the space was there. The space was obviously there for, for Kerry to, to exploit, but it's 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 how Mayo went about their business of stopping that middle third, that Kerry plays in the third. It just simply didn't happen. And we'll come back to that in in a minute, how what they might have done. Brian, you must have been hugely impressed with Kerry yesterday. Yeah, 
uh, you'd have to be, in fairness, to, to kick um, the scores they kicked, um, especially in a big game on Crow Park. I think Kerry had to lay down a marker yesterday, I think, if they were to be really considered to be all Ireland contenders. Um, you know, the, I suppose if we go back to the, their favourite last year, going to the all Ireland semi final with, with Tyrone, just, and just didn't produce the goods. And I think this learn side in Crow Park now, I think they needed to show that they were that they kicked on it, they'd learned their lessons. And I'd like to think they have learned their lessons. Um but look, yesterday was fantastic. I mean, I think if we look at every position on the field from from one to fifteen, I think the Kerry player nearly won his his um, his battle. And I think that was the big turning point of yesterday's game. They won every battle of every position in the field. They were on the front foot all day. Uh, and that makes a big difference. It makes you a lot easier to play when you're on the front foot. It means you're not chasing fellas. Especially when you have the Mayo team when they when they're running at you, they run from so deep. It burns energy, um, but in fairness, yesterday Kerry they were on the front foot all day. They were winning primary possession from the middle of the field, um, and, and just kicking on. But look, at the same time, it's only the league. Um, I think we've got to be conscious of that. Um, last year, Kerry gave Tyrone a walloping, alongside in Killarney, and I think Tyrone learned so much more from that game than Kerry ever did. And I think it absolutely changed our own season. Likewise, I think Mayo will learn an awful lot from yesterday as well. Um, and look, I think to be honest with it. May were missing three of the best players, three players that would probably walk into any other county team in the country. And I think if you had them, it would have made a difference. No, I don't think they would have beaten Kerry on Kerry's farm yesterday, but at the same time, it's still only the league. Um, there's a lot of football to be played. I think Mayo will actually learn a lot more from yesterday. Uh, you know, so positives on one side, but again, just a bit of reality check at the same time and on the opposite side as well. I think that you know, Mayo, um just did not perform yesterday, regardless of who they were missing, didn't show up, didn't perform. Um, I think that's the one thing that'll probably be James Horn be scratching said about is the you're getting to Crow Park, you're getting to a league final, that's where you have to perform, and they didn't perform. And I think that's where he's going to be looking at and wondering why didn't they perform. But look, I said we carry half the all positives all around. Um to, to, to put on a mark like that, it sets them up nicely for the championship, but at the same time, just caution. Sean O'Shea will come into that Kerry team. And Paul Murphy, probably, but Sean O'Shea, Sean O'Shea will come into the team. Who goes from that forward line? I, I, I think five of the six forwards picked themselves automatically, um, and I possibly think even after yesterday's game, I think the six forwards will pick themselves. Um, you know, I think when you're going into the league final, you're trying to pick your best championship team that you have available to you, and I think it's, it's it shows well in the goalkeeper. He went to Shane Ryan yesterday. As opposed to Shane Murphy. Do you think he'll hold on? Do you think it'll be Shane Ryan then? I, I do, just from the point of view you're inside in the league final. I think there's no point thinking with your team. You're there to win the competition. You're there to win a game, uh, win a trophy. And I think it's it's setting the basis of where you want to go in the league or for the championship. You know, so I think your tinkering is done with your team. I think at that stage, you're just going out to, to, to win it. So there's no point in... You know, there's no benefit to be gained from tinkering with your team inside in the league final. You have to win it. Um, so I, I do think the team that he put out yesterday was going to be closest to the championship team. Um, look, Sean O'Shea is definitely going to come back into the team. I think he'll be on the forte. Um, the full forward line, I think, is going to be um, Paul Ganey, David Clifford, and I think Paulie Clifford will go back in there. He'll uh, resume his usual role of roaming. Um, I think Adrian Splann, for me, is, is a markdown number 12 at the moment. I think he's one of the first names in the team sheet. His work rate that he does for the team is fantastic. And I think that's where you have to get the balance right. Is you need fellas that are going to be able to work in the way carrier are defending at the moment, they're defending with a lot of numbers around around the D, and he's pivotal to that. He puts in a massive amount of work. 
he's a big man. He's six foot two. Um, you know, so I think that matters as well when you're when you're coming into this. You know, he's not a small fella. Um, doesn't get knocked around the place. Can compete for kickouts. He's going to be in the wing. Um, Shawnee O'Shea will be on the fourth day, and I genuinely think the number ten position will come down to probably Darren Mine and Stephen O'Brien. And I think Darren Mine again for his work rate, the way he wants his the Jack wants his half forward line playing. I think Darren Mine will, will probably get the number ten. With then Stephen O'Brien and Tony Brosnan to come off the bench. Yes. Into the into the Yeah, I think you've great impact there as well than that. You know what I mean? I think Stephen O'Brien, he comes in fresh legs, direct running. He's got an unbelievable turn of pace. Uh he got a fantastic sidestep. You know, if you're bringing him on with fellas, you know, legs going for fifteen minutes to go, you know, he's a he's a nightmare to, to, to mark and he lines you up and a bit of space up, up the forwards. Um obviously Tony didn't know a fantastic finisher as well. Came on yesterday, thought he played a lot of ball and he came on. Great head for the game. Um so like there are two massive players to bring in off the bench, but yeah, I, I would think that that would be the, the starting six for me. Um, um, and will Paul Murphy get back in the team? It's, it's. I, I find it hard to see where he's going to fit in from the point of view that your halfback line yesterday top or, and throughout the league were fantastic. You can see what Gavin White brings to the team, the injection of pace and the power he has going forward. Now, I still want to see a bit more from Gavin White. I think he's, for all the, the ability he has and all the ball he brings into the forwards, I'd like to see a bit more coming off the end of it. I think at times his decision-making at the end isn't isn't the best. Sometimes I think he's maybe running with his head down into too much traffic, getting turned over. And I think if we look back at our last year's All-Ireland final against our own, he seemed to run into a lot of alleyways and got turned over. And once or twice yesterday, again, um, he just seemed to get turned over. Even the goal he got, um, there was a basic hand passed over the top for Paul Ganey. He kind of overcooked it. Paul got a leg to it and it bounced up in the air off the keeper. Joe, that could have come back out the field again. Chance gone. Um, but look, he's definitely pivotal to the, to the Kerry team. Um, so he will have the wing. And for me, Brian Begley has been fantastic uh, in, the, in the league campaign. He's basically come in since Gavin got injured above against Kildare. And I thought he's been, been very good. He's been very defensively and attacking well. So I think Joe Palmer is going to have a job in his hands to try and, and dispossess him, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, Oshin, Brian... Brian's right in the sense that Kerry have sorted themselves out and you've also been proven right. You called it for Kerry to win the league and I, I have to give you a compliment. I went back through the notes. You're on almost 90% prediction rate for the league this year. I mean, this is you've, you've turned the corner. Kerry have turned the corner. Is this or are you a league man as well? Is this how you see it? TG Cahaman, I think, is the, is the best way to describe it. Um <laughs> Look, Kerry were always going to hit the ground running. I think, you know, when Jack O'Connor came back in, I suppose, you know, he, he maybe had a point to prove. I suppose that was the first thing, and that's why I felt um, Kerry would have a... There would be a big intent on Kerry winning the league. Um, I think they've they've uh, they've learned a good few lessons. I think just the difference between two teams yesterday was stark in the way that they were set up and the intent and the way they went about things. I think Colm's 100% right. I think... The two boys inside were left hanging out to dry. I think, like, when I looked at at the um, the amount of possession that Mayo uh, that Kerry had, and the pressure that was on between the sixty-five and the and their own forty-five was like non-existent. Uh, if you look at Clifford's second goal, <clears throat> it was a ball that uh, Mayo played into the full forward lane, um, into the you know they had. Uh, uh, two sweepers there and um, picked up the ball, went the full length of the field. 
there's a caption actually on the television where you see Aidan O'Shea and I think two other players who are trying to make their way back in to, to definitely help out. But like the pace to run that in comparison with the way that uh, Kerry were able to get back in there was it was stark to, to say the very very least. I think there's um, there's a couple of of issues that uh, that Mayo have that um, for me really stood out for them yesterday. But I also think that Mayo looked like a team that maybe had trained through this game and didn't necessarily put too much stock on, on what was happening yesterday. Um, I could be completely wrong, but uh, I just didn't think they looked they looked in any way sharp. Um, I didn't think they looked like uh, the Mayo team that had the energy that they had in previous games. Um, so, you know... I, I just thought that they were a team that were that were uh, getting ready for three weeks, and not a team that were getting ready for a league final, um, and that's maybe an excuse that you could give on their behalf. But I thought Kerry did everything that was expected of them. I said at different stages they will have a few questions to answer during the league. I think they answered ninety percent of those questions. Um, I think there's a real emphasis on protecting. The simple scores that they give away against Tyrone last year, the ones that uh, you don't want to give away in and around the D that uh, Brian mentioned. I actually think, I actually thought yesterday, um, their uh, plus one, plus two, sometimes plus three. Um, I actually thought they were quite deep at times, and I thought there was an opportunity. If I if I look at the first score of the game and the way Mayo worked the first score. It almost looked as if Kerry were willing to give that score up time after time. Um, and uh, Mayo just probably didn't do enough of that. Uh, probably didn't do enough of kicking the ball over the bar from from slightly outside the, the area that, that Kerry were protecting. Um, but the, I suppose the good thing, if you're looking at Kerry yesterday, is that they're a work in progress as far as um, that set defence is concerned. But... I have to say, the pace at which they got back into those positions and um, the level of um, communication that it takes in order to do that and still be an attacking force and still put up the score that they put up um, sort of singles them out. You know, it's 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 theirs to, um, to lose now at this stage, but you won't believe this, but I'm still a little bit unconvinced by some of it. Are you convinced, Colm? Are you convinced by Kerry? Ah, you, you'd have to be, Paul. Yeah, you'd have to be. Like everything Oshin mentioned there, um, it's 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 the work rate, really. It's it's they always have the class, you know, down to the year. They always have the players, you know, always have the forwards. I think they're even gone to a different level on that. And like Paulie Clifford, I mentioned him earlier on at eleven there yesterday. Like he was majestic there in the first half. David, absolutely, absolutely the same. David, to me, that was my first time actually seeing him up close live in, in a while. He looks like physically he's even developed. Like he he's, he wants the defender to make the contact on him when he's taking the ball. And he's so strong now. He's literally just shoving him off. And he's using that shove off to power away from the defender. I think we saw it on the goal was a really good example of that. He's so strong. I, I don't think people realise actually how big and strong Clifford is when he gets the ball and he's moving like that, especially on one-to-one scenarios. Um, he's just... Look, you agreed with that matchup, didn't you, beforehand? You—that's what you were suggesting before the game to go with Ahora, um, 
on she on 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 Clifford. I, have you changed your mind on that? Uh, it, well, what I said was I, I, I suggested O'Hara to go on him, but what I also suggested what was nearly more important was how they got the extra defender with them. That yeah. was nearly just as important, if not more important, than who was actually going to physically pick him up. And that simply didn't materialise on him. So I don't think it would matter if it was Oshie Mullins, it would matter if it was Paddy Durkin or Lee Keegan, whoever it was, they were going to get the same. To be honest with you, I think Park done as well as any defender could have could have in that space. And if you look at a lot of the scores Clifford kicked, especially the couple in the first half, Park's defending was actually really, really good. The shot David had to hit was pretty much over. He had to go over Park's head to really kick the ball over the bar. A lot of the, a lot of forward in that scenario, that ball would be dropping short because they get so much air time onto it and it dropped five or ten yards short. But Clifford is just so deadly that he can just hold the accuracy and he can hold the depth in the shot. That that's the difference with them. But going back to your question, I, I still think Park was probably the, the best man for the job uh, on the day, but um it was just literally the fact that he'd no cover, he'd no help. How do you how would you measure the impact of this loss on, on Mayo for in the immediate future it's Galway in three weeks' time? And then in the longer future is this desire to win a, an All Ireland championship. What is the impact of, of a point of man defeat? The impact, well, the initial impact is from from looking at Kerry and looking at Lawrence, Mayo have to really put that in the back burner now. That's not even a concern for them right now. They just have to get themselves right for three weeks' time and whatever their game plan is going to be and whatever their structure is going to be um, against Galway, they need to really nail that down in in the next three weeks because it looked, Oshie mentioned it there, they looked like they were leggy yesterday. They They looked like there was no energy, but that's fine if they've trained hard through the league there's no problem and, and the aim was going through his time but with that you'd still expect a small bit more of a structure to, to the game plan yesterday um and we just simply didn't see it that that would be a small bit of concern but look at i know i've no i've no um i've no real concern that it's, that's not going to be sorted in the next Colin, but if you had if you take in the amount of the three players that were missing for yesterday like when I mean, if you look at like say Paddy Durkin the influence he's have on the team um even the work rate that Dermot O'Connor goes through and then having Oshin back in there like there are three big players to have for me I mean I definitely think they would have helped I suppose number one with the space that was better because they would have had the experience and the knowledge and they definitely have the legs to make it up but I do agree with you I, I definitely think they were leggy yesterday but I still think even those three players would have made a big difference to me at the same time though I still don't think they would have beaten Kerry yesterday in the form that Kerry was showing, but I think that was one of the big things for me yesterday. Was you're missing, especially like the Paddy, who who can go in, and, as you say, he could go back there and, and stand alongside David Clifford and give him a right good game. But now I think Davis is the kind of player that will still, as you say, he's physically big enough to take to stand up to that. But I still think those three players, especially you see Paddy, they're a bit like yourself and Lee when you were, when you were going the half back line. They are hard to stop, hard direct running. Mayo didn't have that yesterday, and I think the Kerry's half forward line had the luxury of being able to drop off back there, knowing that these guys weren't going to hurt them and they weren't going kicking scores. And I think that for me, that was a big difference uh, yesterday that Kerry could afford to sit back on top of the deep because they just knew that Mayo weren't going to be kicking scores in 35, 40 yards, and the half back line weren't coming up the field hurting them. And I think that was a big plus for Kerry yesterday. Yeah, and the big thing is, and I think we already kind of mentioned it, the pace for Mayo just simply wasn't yeah. there. And that's something, you know, over the last couple of years that teams would be very, very aware of playing Mayo. It just simply wasn't there without, without the players you've mentioned. And Kerry could afford to drop off. Tide Morley could afford to drop off and just literally cover off and sweep in front of the full back line. He wasn't, 
generally worried about runners coming through the middle because they just simply weren't there. I think it was even the matchups of I think like look Aiden was in the forty. He's not had a fellow that at the moment is going to be kicking points from, from distance. It 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 easy low tight just to drop off because you knew there was other fellas going to come back to get a hand on him. You know if if you had a you know even if you had someone like even I don't know who you put out there, but even Kevin McLaughlin, he would take yeah. a lot more marking. Or you know you'd have to push up on him because he can influence the game and pick out fantastic put in good ball, pick out passes, kick a score. And I just think it just played in the carry sense a small bit. As you, as you mentioned, Paul, with the matchups, just low tight to drop because you knew Adrian was coming, you knew Dara was coming, your two midfielders were working hard. And there was no threat, I just thought, other than your two inside forwards from there that were going to kick scores. And I think that was really played into carry sense yesterday. And I thought Tig was able Tig Marley was able to run off Aidan O'Shea. And on the other side, Gavin White was able uh, to run off Connor Loftus and they just couldn't match them when they were going the other way. And I wanted, Colm, were you, did you watch the warm-ups before the game? There was, I, I found it really interesting to watch the Mayo warm-up because I wanted to watch Killian O'Connor and see where he is. I actually thought he looked really good in the warm-up, but it was in a much tighter pitch. But Mayo divided the pitch in two and they had two seven-a-side games going on on either side of in either side of the pitch, whereas at the far end, Kerry were playing at 12 on 12 or 13 on 13, half the field, a lot of kicking, a lot of ball moving, people moving everywhere. And what struck me, two things struck me about the Mayo warm up. Everything was going through the hands, but then when the game started, they tried to kick some long ball in, and they hadn't done this in the warm up, and the kicking was not good um, in the game start. Number, that's number one. Number two, the accuracy and the decision making in the warm up, they just looked a mile off it. Um, be- before the game and I- I'm not a believer in I know been in dressing rooms where lads look like they're going to have a minor stroke if they have a bad warm up so I don't really get kind of too wound up about warm ups but Mayo just did not look at look on it at any point yesterday Yeah between one thing and another I, I was in and out and talking to people I didn't actually get a chance to physically watch the warm ups um, obviously as closely as you did but Yes, I've been in that scenario where you can just generally feel this is flat here in a warm-up and you're nearly trying to G up lads to nearly get yourself G'd up if if, if, this, uh, if things are flat, if there's a low energy about things. And if that was the case yesterday, look, Mayo probably started the game okay, but literally after five or ten minutes, they just weren't able to, to cope. Obviously, the, everything we talked about there was, was starting to become clear and the pattern was, was starting to emerge and what was happening for the rest of the game. Oh, did you ever find? Did you ever feel it in the warm up? You just thought, "I'm actually, this is not my. I'm just done here. I'm, I'm not able for this today." Yeah, most days. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the, 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 I suppose, Paul. Paul, the, the the thing, the actual thing is, I don't know if the lads would agree, but it's actually very different when you go to Crow Park, as far as you know, like you know, the, like you're talking about the small side of games and. Um, you know, how you're going to cut down that space. It's very difficult in Crow Park to cut down the space, all of the space. There's a lot of space there that... Um, and, and the dynamic changes, I think, a big uh, in a big way. If you, I, I just love to do... I'd love somebody to do... Not me. I'd love somebody to do the stats on how, how much more kicking there is in Crow Park than there is, you know... Like, for example, like, I went to watch uh, Armagh Dublin this year, and I couldn't believe how much Armagh kicked the ball. Couldn't believe it. Um, and then I went to the Throne game, and I couldn't I couldn't believe how little they kicked it. And I, I, obviously, there's a space thing in the size of the pitch and all that, but Krupak just lends itself to, you You, you got to 
you got to have a kicking game. If you don't have a kicking game, you would be really, really exposed. And uh, and I think there was a stark difference between the uh, the levels of or the or the ability of both teams to kick the ball yesterday. But I just I like I do think that you know Mayo have been able to adapt and be able to mix it up in in the past. I just think they were just way off it yesterday. And and yes, some of that comes from the warm up. I mean, as a coach. Um, the warm-ups are a nightmare. You, you play a while after a certain warm-up and you think, definitely replicating this the next day. So you replicate it the next day and you're flat. And then you think, right, I've got to change up the warm-up again. And you're constantly tinkering with it and wondering what's the best thing to do. And Well, I know personally that's what that's the way I am when it comes to coaching. But um, So the warm-ups are, are, a bit of a, are a bit of a difficult thing. They're, they're probably longer than than they probably need to be and longer than they have done in the past. I mean, you know, if I if I consider where I started as far as warm-ups concerned and where warm-ups are at now, um, oh, they're absolutely pulls apart. But I think you, you get you, you can get a little bit of a rhythm in the warm-up, but I've seen warm-ups where it's been an absolute mess and we've gone out and, and shot the lights out. Like, so... I, it's very difficult to get the correlation between the warm-up and, and what actually happens on the pitch. But I do think the one point that you made about, you know, Kerry being so spread out um, and, you know, mixing it up, kicking the ball and stuff, I do think that that's probably the one thing that you do need to change when it comes to Co Park as far as warm-ups. I think you need to be kicking the ball a lot more. Where do you stand on warm-ups, Brian? Were you a fan? Uh, no, I agree with Orphine. I, 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 to be honest, like I think it, it, it varies. You know, there's times there where you're doing a warm up and you think there wasn't enough intensity in it, and you just all of a sudden you're going to go into the game and the first ten minutes are a hundred miles an hour and you can't catch your breath and you're kind of question everything yourself. God Almighty, have I? What did I eat? Or did I eat enough? Did I did I eat too close to the game? Um, you know, you do question yourself. I, I just think it's a, it's a, it's a mindset. I think it's an attitude to the players. I think if you have the right attitude going into the game, you just get through the warm up. It is what it is. Um, look, I think you've no the players have no say over. It's, it's down to the management, down to the coaching. I think it depends on what the players put into it. You can I've seen fellas inside the warm ups and they are only dragging themselves through it, and they'll go out and they'll kick the lights out, you know, or they'll, they'll run themselves to the ground. Other fellas. They're coming off and they're learning the change of jersey. The sweat is pouring off from the non they're ready to go. So, look, I, I think it's the players, their own perspective of how hard they want to push themselves. Do they need to get themselves the second wind going? But I think at that stage, look, all the work is done. It's just for me, it's, it's, it's a mindset. You just have to be in, in the frame of mind of, I'm going working today. The legs are there, or, you know, it, it's not. But look, there are days, I say, where you sometimes you are leggy and you do question everything from food to sleep to. You know, am I feeling well? Or am I question ourselves? And five minutes into the game, and you're, you know, you're absolutely flagging. So look, it just, it just, it's, it's, it's a hit and miss with the warm-ups. But I think a lot of it comes down to the players themselves. It's, it's their own attitude and their own preparation. Did you ever get that fear in, in either in a warm-up or in the early stages of a game of actually just wanting not to be there, just, just being, just kind of, you know, you say you questioned yourself, but you, did you actually just get to the point where you're going? Oh, oh, like how? How? What? What am I doing here? I just know you never question what you're doing here. I mean, that's what you're you're training to get there in Crow Park. I mean, I I'd, I'd give intent to go back to Crow Park myself now again. You know, and if it if it meant going through and all that torture, it it is. Look, I mean, 
you, you'll go through it and there's never a case you don't want to be there it's just tough in the moment but I think that's where you just have to toughen yourself out and get through it you know it's only a warm up push yourself to the limits and, and, and get through it and you know when it comes to the game then everything else just, just goes out the window and you're just, you're just stuck in the moment and you get on with it so no there's never a case you'll never question yourself for me it was always the case maybe okay I want to get this over and done with and get the game started and get thrown in because you know, I suppose in the warm up there's distractions you can look around the place but for me it was always the case get through it um, try and get the second wind in if you can get my kicking right get my ball handling right kick a few frees as well was the big thing for me was to get that accuracy get the radar in and get my distance right and, and after that then I just wanted to get the game started and get stuck into it I want I want to talk sorry Colm yeah I actually Paul just on that I used to enjoy if there was a parade straight after the warm up you know especially in the video games because literally it just gave you a couple of minutes after a tough warm up just to get the legs back and get your breather, you know, literally. So I'd be delighted if I, if I knew there was great coming after the warm up. Because there's nothing worse going straight from a tough warm up unless you're straight into position and you're ready to go. But at least with the parade, you have you have a minute or two to, to get your. Beer what are you back. thinking when you're walking around the parade? Yeah, it's, it's a mad one. It just, actually, I was sitting beside someone yesterday at the match and I was talking how flash the place was yesterday when the, when the teams were going around in the parade. There was literally little to no atmosphere. And I was saying, look, comparing it to an Ireland final when you're walking around and literally as you walk from stand to stand, one stand nearly rises at a time and then you come down to Hill 16 and the place is just absolutely buzzing. You're just taking it all in, really. You know, you're just taking it all in. And I think Brian mentioned it there. You're just, you know, you're just saying this is where you want to be. There's nowhere in the world here you want you want to be. At the same time, you're kind of thinking, right, you're, 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 you're three or four things that you're, you're aiming to to the game. You're just really processing hooked into your head and getting yourself ready for the first five or ten minutes and everything kicks on then after that did you ever wave to the crowd no i wasn't a crowd waver i wouldn't generally i'd say be looking directly into the crowd itself but just feeling the energy like you know just feeling that energy from the from the crowd it was you know they were parades aren't for everyone i know i talked to players who hate the parade but i, I generally enjoyed it but the main reason i would say is just to get that that uh that breather from after the warm-up well, Shane. She, she, she was a serious man for waving to the, waving oh, to the <laughs> crowd. <for prayers>. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Blowing kisses. <laughs> Blowing kisses to the crowd yeah, before the game. Yeah. Brian, you talked there about, about um, taking freeze in a warm-up. And I um, I was down in Carsevine, uh, it's five years ago now, on a Saturday evening before Kerry played Dublin. Came up to the game on the Sunday morning, and on that Saturday evening, um, I was in the pitch in Carsevine while I was sitting, standing on, hanging on the railing, and you were practicing freeze. Um, you were doing your kicking, and I, I just stayed watching it for 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 ages. It was absolutely voyeuristic. I, 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 I take it. I was just just watching it, and. Well, my kids were trying to get me to go to the beach. That's uh, they didn't want to be there. They didn't find it quite as enjoyable as as I as I did. But it struck me watching you that this is hour after hour after hour, and I I was wondering uh, how would you tot up the number of balls that you kicked in that in that field, and this sheer scale of work that's involved in this, and in the context of the game on Sunday. Ryan O'Donoghue, who I I I just think he's fantastic. He's a great he's a great player, and if he's held it all, I think Mayo forwards are in huge trouble. And unless he's a monster game every day, he's trouble. But he missed three frees out of the hand. Paul Ganey missed a free out of the hand. 
in the first half. And then just before halftime, Shane Ryan came up and kicked one from under the Cusack, bent it off the ground over the bar. And I I struggle to understand forwards kicking freeze out of the hand still. And do you have a view on that? Um, for me, it was always off the ground. I always and never kicked the ball off the ground. And where it came from, I don't know. I would just make and I would assume the fact growing up with Morris Fitzgerald inside in the club as you and we're told to watch Morris Fitz. I think obviously just you're just honed into watching him. And I've been at it since I've been 12 years of age. I just at home, my father could tell you the countless hours I would spend out in the back line just trying to kick the ball from starting at 13, 12 yards out and just going on over the years. And it was something that I enjoyed doing. It wasn't a chore for me. I didn't think that this was something that so I was forcing me to go kicking freeze. It was just something I really, really enjoyed doing. And and like that, I, I couldn't count the amount of freeze I've kicked below in Pan Kicking Park and Karsavine. Um, you know, it's it's just one of my routines. I, a week of a game, I could go down there three days a week kicking. Um, and it's just, it was just what I did. It's something I enjoyed. Maybe it was something allowing me to get myself focused. Um, but it was a big part of my game that I felt was very important to me. Um, and it's something I took fierce, fierce pride in that, you know, you're, you're left with this responsibility and you have to just be able to perform. And it was one of my biggest things that I had to be able to perform on the day was kicking my freeze because... It was one of the main reasons why I was why I, why I got to wear the carry jersey. Um, but for me, kicking kicking the freeze off the ground, um, the way I always looked at it was that when you're kicking the freeze off the ground, the, the margin for error is very very small because there's only one contact with the ball, one one off. It's just put your foot through it, and that's it. If you're kicking the ball from the hand, there's four different variables that can go wrong. For me, you're dropping the ball from hand to foot. If if you're playing on a windy day and you're dropping that ball and it comes off the tip of your fingers or comes out the side of your hand incorrectly, the ball's traveling through the air to your foot. You can hit it on the laces. You can hit it on your instep. You can hit it on your towards your toe. There's a lot of variables that could go wrong in this. And and then you're taking into account just the weather, the wind, kicking from the hand. It, it's going to go into the air a lot more. Um, the wind affects it away more up in the air. And distance, you're, you're not going to get the same distance that you are kicking a ball with the low projection. Um, so for me, I just think it's it's off the ground was just one thing I always ever did. I just found I got way more control over the ball, was able to keep the ball down, and you know in windy conditions. And I suppose look the fact that I was at it since I was twelve years of age. Um, I spent two years in goal as, as a carry minor allowed me to again maybe get that develop a bit of distance into my kick and having a control over my kick with distance as well. That that definitely helped me with with distance. Um, but for me, that's why I always felt kicking off the ground, you have way more control over the ball. And especially if you're playing in windy conditions, you know, if you're kicking to a breeze or you just seem to have a bit more control over the ball to keep it low rather than kick it uh, off your hands, which is, is going into the air. But, you know, it's funny. I, I see like some Michael Murphy and I see Sean O'Shea. Sean O'Shea is a fantastic kicker off the ground. Yeah. But then he he kicked, was in the Kerry panel for one year when you were there, wasn't he? He was, the, yeah. One, it was one change over a year. Very unfortunate to get a couple of games, to be honest. So I thought he could have... We played Galway in a quarterfinal in Cor Park and he was lifting in training. And I think he was actually stopped from playing with the under-20s um, yeah. the week before. And, you know, we're kind of saying, well, obviously this was getting a run, but he didn't get a run in the end. But you could see, he, he looked, even from back then, he was an unbelievable talent. He just needed to slightly fill out. He was only 19 years of age, I think. or Well, sorry, he was only 20 years of age at the time. So he just needed to, to to fill out, and he has done that. But um, 
you know, he kicks the freeze off the ground as sweet as, as, as anyone. And I, then he kicks him off the hand. I, I don't know why, but look, in fairness to him, he, he's, he's fantastic. And I see Michael Murphy as well, another fella that kicks from the ground, has the ability to do it, but then sometimes he just kicks the other one from the hand. And I see even Killian as well. Killian O'Connor can kick 45s uh, with ease, and then he kicks mostly freeze in the hand. I don't know. Look, it's their own choice. It's, it's their own choice. For me, it was always never off the ground. But look, just going back to free-taking, the big thing with me free taking was never about taking the ball from 55 60 yards a good free taker is a consistent free taker you have to be consistently kicking your freeze to win games and it's not about winning games you know when it's a draw or you're, or you're two points up it's when you're four five six points down to keep you in the game to keep taking the scoreboard over to keep you in in, in arm's reach of, of not being out of the game they're the pressure freeze and that's where a good free taker for me comes in you have to be able to nail your freeze, keep yourself in the game. And I think, you know, like that, if you have a good game playing against a good free taker, teams are going to be very conscious about fouling because they know this fellow is going to nail, nail his freeze because he's a consistent free taker. Whereas if you have an inconsistent free taker, you know, it, it, it sometimes it can suck the life of a team as well. We're missing freeze and all of a sudden, no, it's not our day. But you just need a consistent free taker because, you know, I just think if you look back at Dublin, how many All-Irelands has Dean Rock won for Dublin on his own by just kicking freeze? And I think if you are seriously going to win an All-Ireland, you have to have a free taker that's going to kick 92-95% of his freeze in, in, in any given game. Oshin, where do you stand on the on the free taking? Uh, <clears throat> exactly the same thing as Brian. Um, it's very much a more correct saying kicking the ball off the ground. I changed... Um, from 02 because I got a back injury and it was just it was just repetitive you know it was taking a lot of strain I don't know whether it was my technique or what it was and that's the only reason why I changed to the hands and when I changed to the hands I probably did 10 times more 10 times more practice in the hands than I did uh, off the ground the reason for that was that um just the things that uh, Brian was talking about just trying to get a routine that <clears throat> that worked and a consistency with them and that was difficult i found that difficult to begin with um but probably got there in the end but certainly off the ground i'd say you know stats wise the boys are kicking them off the ground are are probably 10 15 maybe even 20 percent um more success rate than um than the guys who are taking them out of the hands uh, by one or two um, i read Oshin, i read i read about morris Fitzgerald that he used to go with a bag of balls to the field at lunchtime most days or if not every day and it, it's almost it's an obsessional thing were you the same uh what i what i would have done was if we train tuesday thursday or tuesday friday i used to do wednesday um i suppose the only thing that changed for me in that time was that um we started to i see i suppose see the value in free kicks and we would have there would have been a certain time during training especially were cross initially that um would have been set aside you just go to the top end of the pitch where the boys are doing something else something that free takers don't get me and brian don't get involved in like tackling maybe or something like that <laughs> um but but i think i think that was it i think you know you've seen the value and you know it's a very very important part of the game you know it can keep you in the game it can get you over the lane it can it can do many many things but um i suppose the difference between the practice that i when I initially started was it was just a bag of balls of I threw them everywhere and then I come up with this little routine where I where I had ten free kicks in certain areas of the field, sort of covering up covering all the bases, and uh, and the good thing about that was that at the end of the night, you know, I'd 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 do 
maybe 10 to finish with and I'd, I'd just keep my score every night just to, to make sure that I was at the nine, you know, at least uh, every night and, and that improved the consistency of things. There was a gay, I maybe said this to you before, a gay called Dave Alred who, who helped out mm. Johnny Wilkinson down through the years, does a little bit with maybe Harrington and a few boys now too, but like he was talking to me about technique and the way I kicked the freeze, but I was I was happy enough with the way I was kicking the freeze, but he did talk to me about about the repetition thing, and and that definitely helped me doing the same thing all the time. Where to put where the valve? Like I I watch certain players kicking freeze, and the valve is maybe facing towards them or or sideways or something like that. I don't know if it's an OCD thing, but it's really, really, it's really, really annoying, and and it's not conducive to to the flight of the ball and all that sort of thing. So, um, you sort of get you get a when you're supposed when you start out and you're kicking free kicks, you just you're just kicking them, you're just kicking them, and when you're young, you you know if you miss one, you're not really that bothered about it. I remember missing a 14 yard free in in Parnell Park one day, and I thought that never gonna happen to me again. And uh, that you probably double down a bit then in practice, but certainly when you move, when I move from um, from kicking off the ground to kicking out of the hands, there was a lot more practice in it, and there was a a lot more as far as routine and all that was concerned. Did you ever? Did you ever? Um, did you ever get heckled when you're about to kick it by opposition players, or did you ever? Uh... Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Most call him was deadly for. Yeah. <laughs> did, did you have a view on free takers, Colin? <laughs> I, I was probably giving out to the ref at the same time that the um, that the free taker was taking the free and other words of the free method, yeah. That, did, that was did you ever take freeze for, for the club? No, I never. I think I think back in school actually I actually used to play in the forwards back in school. I think at one year we we'd no free taker for the for the senior school team, so I actually got stuck with them, but uh that, that was about it. That was that was it for me. No, no. Did you have it? I, I think anything? Paul. Paul. I I think I think just on that before you go back to column, uh, I think free taking costs Tyrone in all Ireland. Oh yeah, uh, I did. I did a thing on on Tyrone at one stage on the Mickey Hart, and they were at their free taking was at forty percent. I think that was over two seasons, and like I was looking at most other teams, and they were like eighty. Like the really good ones were ninety. You know, I mean, the, the day that uh, Killian O'Connor and Dean Rock faced off in Crow Park, 19 frees, and they kicked 18 of them. Do you know what I mean? From absolutely everywhere. So I think the, it cost them in All-Ireland. I think they had a ready-made solution, and they weren't willing to sacrifice. What was the solution? Well, McCurry. Yeah. You know, he would have kicked the majority of them, I think. Uh, there was a wee boy called Lee Brennan who, who would have had an opportunity to do the same thing, but... As I say, they were forty percent. One day uh, they played in in the they played in the championship against Derry in Oma and had seven different free takers. And like I just couldn't believe it. Considering you know, considering how professional the setup that was at the time and and the things that would have been doing behind the scenes and to have to have that and that was the thing that was holding them back. Brian, did anyone ever try and take a ball off you to take a free? Morris Fitz was probably the only fellow that comes to mind. <laughs> Made a county league game, uh, Division One game against Aston Stacks in in um, Connolly Park. So, uh, but look, I was only seventeen or something, eighteen at the time. I think I was. I think it was my second, my last year on golf to carry minors. But um, 
No, other than that, I suppose the, the agreement really was when when Clay Kerry was anything that you know, from centre of the field over to the left hand side and possibly out distance wise, uh, I would take it anything in the kind of in the right hand corner, Colin would look after it, Scooch would take it, you know, and again it probably just came to distance for Colin if he just felt it was slightly out of his range or whatever. So look again between the two of us we had a fair understanding of, of um who was kicking what from where like but um no other than that um Morris Fitz says you're the best um club championship footballer in the history of Kerry football. Oh, it's a nice compliment to get, I suppose, from a, from a man like him. So I'll, I'll take that one definitely. definitely um, before we move off, before we move on to to Galway, was common. Colin, did you have any particular technique to put off free takers? Put off free takers? No, I, I was probably too small. They probably couldn't even see me in their island, to be honest. And definitely, <laughs> the likes of Brian, it wasn't affecting. He was going to be kicking over, but no, no, definitely not. You weren't allowed. Generally, the referee was a uh, very protective of free takers, so there was uh, there was nothing you could do really. If if Paul, if look, Paul, you took a, you took a few frees in your time. We're not doing this, Oshin. We're not. We're not. We're not. We're not doing this. I got. <laughs> there's people all over Tullamore diving for cover in case I start talking about this. <laughs> no, I took I took frees for for Tullamore for thirteen, fourteen years. Never did it at the level that you lads did it. But I had my own. I got. I was absolutely obsessed. I had my own keys to O'Connor Park in Tullamore. My own bag of balls went. During season, I went every day. In days we were training, I went early. And uh, as I was saying that, um, I was explaining that one evening in a, in a bar in Tullamore. And uh, my friend Joe Hughes, his answer was, it's a wonder you didn't get any better at them um, after <laughs> after all that effort. But yeah, no, I was obsessed, absolutely obsessed by it. And and uh, I, I, I can't understand. I can't understand people kicking them out of their hands, right, out of their hands regularly, number one. And number two, I can't understand failure to practice. Um, I, ju- I just, I just, I can't understand how anyone thinks they won't get good at it if they don't, if they don't practice it. Anyway, on to, on to Galway, Roscommon. Colm, um, you must be nervous as a Mayo man having watched Galway, Roscommon. I look at um, Mayo, where Galway, you know, for Mayo to win Connacht this year, realistically, they're going to have to be both Galway and Roscommon. So, it is. It is going to be. It is going to be a tough challenge ahead. But just specifically for Galway, I actually fancied. I thought it was going to be a high-scoring game, and I thought if it did go that way, that I thought Roscommon might just edge it with Galway missing Shane Walsh. Um, Roscommon are, are very good up front. They're very good forwards. I thought Kieran Murta especially, Connor Cox, Keen McEwen. I thought every time he got the ball, something looked like it was going to happen off him. And I thought if they could get enough ball to them boys, especially in the open spaces that we talked about, Copair. That they might just edit. it. Okay, it took a it took a goal in the last minute to do so. But for, for Galway, um, funny one to hear, to kind of to analyze with them. Um, they went from having a decent first half. Paul Conroy in first half, we have to say, was was sensational. I think five out of the nine. I think Sean Kelly was with them in midfield. He got a point. So between the two of them, they, they kicked six out of the, the nine Galway scores in, in in the first half. Um, they were they were decent. I think what I'd say about them is they looked like they lacked a small bit of pace around the middle third. I know I talked about Mayo with this already, um, but when you go through the players, Tierney, Daly, their half-back line in general, it didn't look like they'd real searing pace uh, coming through the middle at, at any stage. Then they went on Shane Watch, of course, and, and things changed in that regard. He, he gives them a, a, a different aspect. But 
looking forward for Galway, it's still Conroy, it's still Watch, it's still Comer. They're still the three boys going forward into championship. That's certainly for me on the first round. They'd be looking if they can take him three out of it. Comer definitely looked back to his best yesterday. That's what I'd say. I think he took four from play. The, the key to Comer is you have to stop him getting the ball. If he gets the ball, he's so, so powerful. He literally, we talked about Clifford earlier on, he's so direct. Once he wins that ball, he turns and takes on his man. He's so powerful over the first 10 yards, and he usually gets his shot away then. He's still the key. Watch is still the key. But uh, Conroy, to me, is, is nearly playing the football of his life at the minute. Um, I watched him against Derry, and, and, and he's marking Conroy Glass, and he kicked three from play before he was sent off. So he is still, I think, he, whatever it is now, he's 33, 34, he's pushing on, but he's, he's playing unbelievable football. The Sean Kelly one at midfield is, is an interesting one because I, I don't think he's a midfielder. But I think he's literally just there to add legs in beside Paul Conroy and, and get up and down the pitch um, with them and probably give him more defensive um, structure from midfield back the way. I think I think he'd probably prefer him to have him maybe at six or even three because I'm not sure how good that goal from backline is, um, if I'm being honest. But I think he'd probably prefer to have him possibly back there. But I think he just feels that he needs the legs out the middle and it'd be interesting to see what, what Mayo obviously with Sean Kelly pick up the likes of Mario Rowan possibly and just go on a, in a head-to-head battle and let them two let them two run it out together and then make possibly Jordan Flynn providing his fit after after yesterday he went off injured possibly doing a man-marking job on, on Paul Conroy and really try to to curb his influence on the game but I think Paul Joyce would be disappointed to lose it I, that's what I'd say I think I think you know obviously they got promoted and whatnot but I think think he will be disappointed to lose it especially if they were 17 12 down they get themselves into a lead they go they, they, kick, they kick six in a row to go 18 17 up and to concede a goal like that you know it's like jim Roberto picks up the ball you know pretty much under us at the hogan stand and pretty much goes round and around about on an earlier tour of crow park i think he holds the ball for 13 seconds before before it takes gets the shot away some really poor tackling i think from tyranny and conroy in particular i, I honestly think it was it was a case that they were afraid to foul him because it was such a tight game. They didn't want to make any physical contact on him in case the ref gave him free end, but it was really, really poor. But I think Galway would be disappointed, but then when Park Joyce sat down, probably watched Kerry Mayo, he probably would have been a lot happier maybe coming home after what he saw there. So it's a funny one. Brian, would you how would you how would you rate both Galway and Russ Common on the strength of the on the strength of yesterday? Um I was I was impressed with with um with Galway or with uh, sorry with, with Ross Commons forwards. Do you know what I mean? I yeah. think they're really after adding really scoring potential. You know, if you go back over the last couple of years, you know, I suppose Connor Cox came up from Kerry up there and he seemed to be the the shining light in the forward line kicking scores, but they've really added way much. Was he on a Kerry yeah. panel when you were there? He was, yeah. He he was in and out. He came in after the under twenty one campaign with Kerry and um he he came in and yeah he you know I think he played a couple of league games with us but look in fairness I think at the time the Kerry panel was was so strong on the forward line you know you um it was it was a difficult place to get in there and and to to break yourself into that team but um you could see he he was he was a very good kicker um so even at club level he was playing with Listowel and playing with Field Rangers in the county championship and he's kicking he, you know he was just a fantastic kicker I just think maybe. The pace of the game was just uh, was a bit high for him at the time with Kerry, but again, you know, it's great for him to be able to go up to Roscommon and and and, and to settle in there and and have the um, the influence he's had on Roscommon. But you know, I suppose when he went up there, he was seemed to be the kind of main player at the time in, in the forward line for Roscommon. But you know, if you look at Roscommon yesterday, I mean, they had seven different scores that their 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 forward line. Um, 
direct I found it the direct running by the likes of Enda Smith Dorney. Enda Smith, yeah. Yeah, you know, I just I, you know, powerful big running. I think Galway really struggled with that yesterday when 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 those fellas took at them. Um, I just thought the Galway backs were just couldn't stop them, and I, that's the one thing I would fear for Galway is when when they run at. I think their backs are small. I don't think they have the physical presence to actually put their bodies in stop fellas. And you know, as as Cullum spoke about uh, Dermot Murta's goal, you know, he just seemed to get through too easy for me. Like you know, and again, that's what I think where Galway will struggle. Um, and I think that's one thing that looking at yesterday's game, if you look at the strength that, that Mayo have, if they get their, their their players back as their running game, and I think that will really struggle, that Galway will struggle with that. Um, um, but again, I just think the big thing for me yesterday was with Ross Common was just their, their, their scoring spread. You know, they spread their scoring was across the board, um, that they're direct runners. And look, if you take Paul Conroy out of that Galway team yesterday, you know, I think... They could have been beaten, well beaten, you know, for, for a midfielder to kick six points and play, take my head off to man. And the scores he kicked, I mean, they weren't just... Yeah, they weren't tap overs. Ah, they were kicks from 40, 45 yards on the angle, under pressure, you know, left leg, right leg. I just thought it was an absolutely fantastic performance from him, you know. Do you think and either it, Galway or Roscommon can win the All-Ireland? No, to be honest, I don't think they can, no. Um, Do you think Mayo can win the All-Ireland? Look, you can never write Mayo off. They, I mean, you look at them; they're just the, the, the toughest sort of fellas you'll ever come across. They just keep coming, keep coming, and you, I don't think you'll write off Mayo. But the one reason why I don't think Mayo will win the All Ireland is because of the firepower up front. I just think they're always lacking that killer forward that's going to kick four or five points every game for you. Yes, you have Killian O'Connor, but every team is going to mark one corner forward. Every team will mark one forward or a second forward. So you, you might keep Ryan O'Donoghue very quiet. You, you know, Killian might kick three or four points, but that's not going to be enough to win you an All-Ireland. And that's the biggest fear. There's no scoring spread from the Mayo forwards. They're very much reliant on their halfbacks kicking scores. If you go back through the years, likes of Cullum kicking of two points a game, Lee Keegan coming up kicking points. Paddy Dorkin kicking points, Matthew Ryan is kicking points, but the forwards are just not contributing and they're still crying out for that forward that's going to just guarantee you four or five points from play every game. And I just don't see Mayo having the firepower at the moment to do that. Um, for me as well, uh, it's the same mistakes with Mayo. I just think it's it's the decision making up front they're just some of the kicks uh, are just aren't done there's fellas kicking from the post that are under pressure going away from goal um and i just think james horn has to look at himself and say how is he still allowing this go on if you look at dublin and how dublin under jim gavin you never saw some fella throwing his at a kick where the percentage for that score was a low percentage kick there was always the percentage kick and you never had some someone shooting who shouldn't be shooting. They always seem to offload it to, to a kicker. There was always a Paul Mannion on the loop, a Dean Rock, a Kieran Kilkenny, a Conor Callaghan. Um, and they always found their kickers. And I just think at times Mayo just need to, there has to be discipline from James Horn from the point of view of where we're kicking. Why are we continuously kicking the ball under pressure from stupid places? And I just think the same failings happened again with Mayo over the last while. I think they have to improve on that and I think they do need to get another forward. Now, Killian has been out of the game for the last year, has played no league football. I 
don't expect him to come back into the height set of where he was. I just think it's going to be very hard for him to do so, having played no football. And I just think that's why this year I think Mayo will come up short. No, don't get me wrong. They, they could prove me wrong. And with the, the personality they have and the, and the way they keep coming back and keep coming back, there's a never-say-die attitude with them. You can never rule them out. But I think when it comes to the crunch in All-Ireland semi-final against the Dublin, against the Kerry, against the Tyrone, I think they'll be found wanting. Um, so I don't think there's the All-Ireland is going to be going back west, to be perfectly honest. Colm, when... When James Horn takes a training session or the training sessions are being coached, what work is done on decision making in the training field? Uh, there is work. A lot of it is through kind of small sided games and, and, and they put you into game scenarios where you might be a couple of points down or, you know, and you're working on trying to get back into the game because five minutes left and you're trying to you're trying to get the back into the game, you know, one team is, is trying to defend it, the other team is trying to get back it, and you're working on different scenarios like that. But like every team does that to be honest. That's not that's not something new. That's you know, pretty much every team does it. Um, you know, for, for Mayo, look at it gets it talked an awful lot about the forwards. I think the the one thing I will say for yesterday, I think what she mentioned there about Kerry kicking the ball an awful lot. For me for me, Mayo had no link at all in the half forward line to get them out of defence even to start attacks, you know, so that's why we felt we were carrying the ball an awful lot and we were just running down blind alleys by the time we got to the Kerry 45, they had everyone filtered back. But going forward, we definitely need to have then a link, at least one link on, on the half-forward line. And look, we still have loads of positives. For me, one of the small positives actually out of the game yesterday from Mayo point of view was James Kerr in the first half. He he was He's probably the closest player we have to Tommy Conroy in the fact that He's real pace, he's real power, and he will turn and take on his man every time. He's had a different couple of, a difficult couple of years with injuries. Faded away in the second half. He hasn't played a whole lot of football in the league. So I think that will do him the world of good. And like I said, he's probably the one few positive. Obviously, a big positive as well is Killing coming back as well. You know, it's going to be huge. If he can play a Colin McShane role for possibly the Galway game, and you know, if beyond that, and that every Mayo fan would, would have taken your hand off for that a, a month or two ago when we didn't know if he was coming back or not. So, look at still an awful lot. Like we said earlier on loads for Mayo to work on, absolutely loads for Mayo to work on. But you know, time is time is at an essence now with three weeks to get this right because I, I think Galway are going, going to go with a more defensive game than they have done against Mayo over the last two years. I, I can see. Keen O'Neill and Park Joyce, former and Plamer, they're getting loads of bodies behind the ball and they're looking to hit them quick and the break them with Watch and, and Comer, particularly up front. Um, so they're going, you've mentioned there about decision making, that's when your decision making is key. Like we saw yesterday, we keep one ball down tight, Marley's throat, and about 20 seconds later, the ball is up in the net with, with David Clifford for, for, for Kerry. So that's going to be key, certainly going forward for Mayo. Oshin, loud football, you, you have a, you have a, You've a, you've a really acute look at it from your work in Dundalk and you've pointed before about the potential in Loud. They, they beat Limerick to win Division 3 and then Cavan win Division 4. Again, neighbouring county, you know, a, f- a fair lot about up there as well. What's happening in those counties and what sort of inroads can they make in the championship? Um, well, I suppose Loud would feel that well, personally speaking, I think that Loud are top of Division 3 team, bottom of Division 2. Um, so I think that definitely they have harnessed everything that, that is good in Loud football at the minute. Um, I think it, it has to be something that 
uh, is more tangible for players, the opportunity to get in there and play. Um, and I think you now that they feel as if um, there's a little bit of success there, I think you will get a lot more lads who are committing. So I think, and I've said this on numerous occasions, when it's a team like Loud down there, the first thing you need to get is you need to get the best bodies into the change room. And when you get the best bodies into the change room, you have to they have to know that the setup they're going into is a professional setup. And uh, that's the way it is now. Um, it's a good setup. They are loud footballers, hugely, hugely talented. Um, and I've seen that with lads going through the college over the last uh, 10 or 11 years. But they, they, they have seemed to drift off in the past. Um, uh, the retention rate of uh, you know, lads coming out of minors is horrendous. Um, so they need to improve that. But um, there's a couple of things going on at the minute. There's obviously the Mickey Hart factor. Um, there's a good county board. Um, there's a couple of um, there's a couple of ex players who are in there who are trying to improve things as far as uh, underage structures. And there's a new stadium in the offing. And once they get a home, that home will be in Dundalk. Uh, people always see Dundalk as maybe a soccer town, but it's it's not. It's very much GA. Um, I don't think you know having their base and draw that suited them at all. Um, so I think all of those things put together will help them. Um, and as I say, they have loads and loads of talented players, but there's a ceiling for them as well. Like you know what I mean. So like an unbelievable achievement now would be to go to Division Two and stay there. They went. They went to Division Two from Division Four uh, in sixteen and seventeen, and by the time nineteen came, they were back in Division Four. So that can't happen again. You know the work that that has been done needs to be um, maintained now. So if they can do that, and um, they're in a good place, and as I say, you know, talented players have come through that college and other colleges, um, and they realise. I think. Now that they are a match, they have this. Well, I I think when I first went there, the first thing I noticed was the, the inferiority complex, and uh, they felt they were inferior to the lads who were coming up against. And all of a sudden, they started playing a lot along with them and against them. And uh, they seen that the stuff that these guys were doing off the pitch, and I think that definitely helped them. Um, and I think you know the work ethic seems to be there. Uh, they have a couple of good leaders. Um. They have a couple of good leaders in that squad and around the squad. And the other thing about them is that that is an exceptionally young panel. There's lads. There's a lot of lads playing there who are, you know, 19, 20, 21, 22, you know, so they're exceptionally young. Um, so there are, there are a base of players who can be worked with and there's a nice pool of talent coming along as well. So uh, it has to be something this time that is not just you know we go from Division Four to Division Two and then all of a sudden we we head back down and there, they so. and they and they and they come back in through it. We've spoken a bit during the league in on the manner in which Cavan and Tipperary have rejuvenated in Division Four, and that's a work in progress that will come next year. And we'll be talking about both of those teams in the championship, and we've spoken about how Limerick have come from four to three and now into two and the prospects for Limerick to do stuff in the future. And we'll be looking at all of those in in the championship preview show uh, in a fortnight's time. In the meantime, though, before we finish, um, Colm, I want to ask you um, in, a, in a word or a sentence, who's going to win the All-Ireland now that the league is over? 
look at Acquiesce, you have to say, hey, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's very hard to look beyond them. What, what I will say yesterday, they set the standards yesterday. If, if you want to win the All-Ireland, you know, Kerry are going to be better than what they were yesterday again. So they set the standard. If you want to get there, then you have a lot of work to do with the next few weeks. And that's for every team out there. So uh, look at that. The minute they're the front runners, uh, they're the ones they're going to be looking at. But look, at come qualifying and semi-final, if you the likes of the Throne, Amanan, a Donegal, a Mayo, Dublin, whoever it is, you know, they will obviously, that's going to be the, the, the asset test for, for this Kerry team. But at the minute, they're, they're definitely front runners. Oshin. Um... I can't say Kerry now, can't I not? Why? Well, listen, you're 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 a big fella. You're well able to express an opinion. <laughs> yeah. Throne. Is that is that a heart? Is that from the heart after the time you spent wearing the Tyrone hat down in Croke Park? When it comes to Tyrone, <laughs> there's nothing in my heart. Uh, for Tyrone, for, for Tyrone. <laughs> Brian may feel the same. I'm not sure. Tyrone, really? Well, yeah, I think they have a great chance. Great chance. Brian. Uh, I suppose after yesterday, you, you, you're carrier the front runners, but I still have question marks. And not about this was about Kerry, but about other teams. Um, Kerry had their full team out throughout the whole league this year. You know they played David Clifford, David Clifford in all their games. Sean O'Shea. There were there was no real player to come back into the setup. Bar probably Gavin White, who got injured in the first game. Um, so I think we've kind of seen what Kerry have. Whereas if you look on the other side, Tyrone kind of struggled through the league, didn't play particularly well. But yet and all, they came down to Killarney, where Kerry have a fantastic home record and beat Kerry uh, down in Killarney. Um, so I, I, I'm a bit with O'Sheen at the moment from the point of view, I don't think you can rule out Tyrone. My heart, obviously, is with Kerry. But I am going to say Kerry, but I still have question marks over what like, Tyrone are going to bring to the table. I think they have a massive say in it yet. This is the first time I have asked people in any environment, who's going to win the All Ireland? And nobody has even mentioned Dublin. Uh, Ocean, you look like you've been stunned. Are you all right? No, we. Uh, you just said it in a word, so like I didn't want to. I, I could have given you a lot of scenarios where Dublin would, might seem like a good idea, but uh, it's going to be Dublin. Most likely, it's Dublin Kerry in an All Ireland semi final. Most likely. And that's a that's a that's some game in prospect. That'd be an unbelievable game, and I wouldn't be I wouldn't be ruling Dublin either. I wouldn't be ruling Mayo either. I, even you know looking at yes, that I wouldn't be like I wouldn't if I was a Mayo supporter, I wouldn't be all that perturbed by it. Um, so I think you know Tyrone, Kerry, Mayo, Dublin. Uh, outside of that, I think there's teams out there who will who can take a scalp, who could maybe take one of those teams out. But uh, as far as having a, a sustained run to win in All Ireland, I, I'm not. I wouldn't be so sure. So one of those four. We'll um we'll leave it there. To who do you, you think is going to win the All Ireland, Paul? I think Dublin are going to win the All Ireland. Yeah, I'm I'm catastrophically wrong repeatedly, so we'll 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 ignore that. Um, to finish on, we all know that football matters. Uh, except sometimes it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't really matter at all. 
um, on behalf of everyone here and on behalf of UCD GA Club, I'd like to pass on condolences to the family, friends and teammates of Red Oak Murphy. Um, I got to see him play earlier this year in college's football when he was playing for DCU and he was an outstanding footballer. And more to the point, I know people who who know him and know him well in, in DCU and they, they taught the world of him. So complete condolences to his family, friends and, and, and his teammates. Thank you to Larry Ryan for running this podcast, to Raf Rocca, to Jack Neville, to Tony Lean, to everyone at Examiner Sport. A huge thanks to Oshin and especially to Colm, Colm Boyle and to Brian Sheehan for, for joining us today. We'll be back soon. Thanks. Alliance. Supporting all 32 counties through the Alliance Leagues.